everybody, and welcome into the Jew and Gentile podcast. I am your host, Chris Katolka, and with me is none other than the sage himself, the Jewish sage, I'm Mr. Steve Herzig. How are you, sir? I'm good. It's a new year. It's 2023. A new, it's a new year, and we're doing something that we've really never done before. Maybe I should say, Boker Tov, good morning to you. Good morning, and how in the world are you? <laughs> it's 8 o'clock in the morning. We're doing it bright and early because we've got a busy day ahead of us. We've actually got a busy podcast lined up for you. Steve and I were just talking about everything that we're going to go through before we get there. Hold on. Welcome in, welcome in. Well, I am so glad that you're with us in 2023. We are going to have a fantastic year, Steve. I think I think God is just going to continue to expand the Jew and Gentile podcast. I am very confident, and especially since I was with my three grandkids, three of them, uh, I have more than three, but they were stayed with us. The five-year-old, the seven-year-old, and the eight-year-old for the first time stayed up to, to midnight. Oh, did they really? They stayed up to midnight, drove Alice and I crazy with fun, <laughs> with fun. We saw fireworks. We went outside. to. Um, they had a special fireworks at an amusement park. We saw that. We ate Happy Meals together. We uh, watched a movie together. And they said, I can't believe it. We're staying up. And we did stay up. So 2023 is going to be a year of firsts. I like it. You know, we actually had our first for a family. Karen put together, my wife put together a list of fun things to do. Oh, um, mandatory fun time. Mandatory fun time. It was more like parents checking off because it was only six o'clock at night. And we were like, man, we have six hours to go. <laughs> so she put together 30 minutes. I mean, she planned it out perfectly where we did uh, Pictionary and we did uh, these races down in the basement where, you know, we and were. And what? Pick- do you look at your watch and say, oh, that's done. We got to go to phase two. Exactly. <laughs> that was the and it, all to get us to the point where we could watch the countdown. And actually, every, she went to bed early. Some of the boys went to bed. It was just me and I. Olive, and I think I might have even slept through the ball drop. So, <laughs> well, we didn't. In fact, I hadn't watched a ball drop in years, and so I told the kids, "Oh, in Times Square, there's a ball. It's lit up, and it's going to drop down, and it's going to say the New Year." And it didn't happen that way. What happened? It, the ball turned to 2023. Oh, it didn't go it down. Didn't go it didn't down. drop down. So my the little five year old said, "So where? Why didn't it drop?" <laughs> I have no idea, but it's 2023. <laughs> Let's be happy. All right. Well, and I'm sure that you kept the excitement alive till 12 uh, o'clock. Yeah, I at tried. Night. Yeah, I tried. I'm sure you're you're a great. What, what, what do they Zadie. call you? You're Zadie. a great Zadie. Yeah. And then Alice is Granny. Oh, Granny. Absolutely. They love Granny. They love me, Granny. They, okay. For me, they go outside. They play games. But for Granny, she's got the treats for them. Oh, that's fantastic. She's got everything. They they look to Granny. I'd actually say a bunch of the tchotchkes that we have here in our Yiddish Kite podcast room come straight from Alice herself. No question. If you look around this room, she's the she's the brainchild behind most of this. Okay, so Steve, uh, we have actually a, a guest for our very... A fantastic guest. I know. I'm so happy. And first thing... Uh, let, can I introduce him? I want you to have at it. Our, our guest is from Ministry Advancement and I know he's he's not going to be happy about this, but uh, his name is Dan Dark. And the first time I ever heard that name, Dan Dark, I'm sure for him, it's he's heard it all his life. But Dan Dark, welcome to the podcast. But tell us about the how do people treat your last name, Dan Dark? <laughs> I have had uh, good morning, you guys, and it's good to be with you and Happy New Year. Uh, I'll tell you, I get more things with that name. Uh, <laughs> there'll be people that will say, hey, I really like that name. 
I always spell it because people don't think it's really that. They think it's <laughs> they, something else. Oh, they want to manipulate dark. Yeah. Oh, I've been called, uh, you know, all sorts of things, probably things I can't put on the air, but I mean, <laughs> they, it's just amazing uh, all the different things. But I've had people say, oh, man, that sounds so cool. That sort of sounds like a... Uh, a movie star. It is. Uh, one, one time I was in the airport and the lady at the uh, ticket counter really liked my name. And so as I was walking away, leaving over the intercom, I heard Dan Dark. And I looked back and she was laughing and she said, I just wanted to hear it over the intercom. That is great. You know, there are, so, Dan, there are be- like actors who change their names to get a name like you, Dan Dark, yeah, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I always tell people I didn't have anything to do with it. It was just the name I was given. So That's great. Well, Dan, we're so glad to have you. You are in ministry advancement. Uh, Chris and I have spent a lot of time with you. Uh, in fact, it's appropriate that you're here because uh, just this last month in December, uh, Chris and I uh, worked at uh, throwing it out to our constituents, just the six or seven that listen that's right. to our podcast. <laughs> and but who we, are on FOI Equip, our equippers who that's come right. online. In fact, Equip sponsors uh, the Jew and the Gentile podcast. But I, I, we, we wanted to kind of uh, give an opportunity to people who do like what they hear to give to uh, Equip and thus the Jew and the Gentile podcast. And we had a noble and large goal of $10,000. And uh, Chris, uh, should we ring a bell? I, I don't need, you know, maybe a we drum roll. Should uh, we do a drum, drum roll? Drum Here roll. we go. And the results are we just made $10,000. We did we it. We did. Oh, wow. The Lord provided through our, our podcast audience and through our FOI equippers, thank you to you. Thank you for being that compelled is, to th- give. That is a big PTL. Praise the Lord. Uh, Ten thousand dollars is going to help the podcast continue. Help FOI equip continue. It's going to help with our interns that I'm looking forward to for 2023. There's a lot of great things that are happening, and I want to thank you all so much. And Dan, I know that you say thank you a lot to donors because that's what you do. You go around, and I always that's loved right. your job. You get a chance to knock on doors and just say thank you. Well, I'll tell you, uh, and a big thank you for both of you guys, and uh, congratulations, and uh, praise the Lord. Uh, I'll tell you, you've got listeners that not only listen, but they're financially committed to see this ministry go forward and flourish, and I'll tell you, praise the Lord. That's exciting, mm-hmm. and uh, I trust this is just the beginning of a lot of things to come. Well, Dan, tell us a little bit about your back. You have a unique name, Dan Dark, mm-hmm. and Dan Dark, you were born in Africa, right? That's a unique background, too. So, Well, yeah, I wasn't born in Africa. I was actually born in Minnesota, but... Okay, uh, well, I, I missed heard. out on that one. I, I must <laughs> yeah, not have... That, I must have fell asleep when you and I talked in right. the airport. Uh, right. It's uh, <laughs> Africa, Minnesota. That's what it is. It was, you know, I've got two older sisters and one was born in Paris, France, and one was born in Africa. Wow. And I was born, I'm the boring one. I was born in Minnesota, <laughs> but, uh, six months later I was out in Africa and yes, I grew up in Africa. I spent 13 years growing up in Africa, my mom and dad. Uh, I thank God for the heritage God gave me. They were missionaries served 43 years in Africa wow. as missionaries and church planners. And, um, you know, I just thank God for that heritage and really how God used that to just sort of prepare, prepare my life for 
really what I'm doing now. Mm. Well, so in between you're being born in Minnesota and six months old in Africa and 13 years there, between that and FOI uh, Ministry Advancement, how did you get to where you are? <laughs> well, I'll tell you, uh, it started in my between my junior and senior year of high school, 1978, at a camp. I dedicated my life to the Lord, and I gave my heart to the God, and I said, I'll serve you with everything I have. That was the very beginning of it. I went to Faith Baptist Bible College. Uh, that's a whole nother story where I sort of I sort of wandered a little bit. I rebelled. I got kicked out of college. You got kicked in. out of college? I got kicked. Yeah, that's for another podcast. That <laughs> is amazing. I didn't know about that. And, uh, Dan, Dan Dark has a dark side. Gave me a second <laughs> chance, and that is is just an amazing story of God's deliverance and help in my life. But, you know, uh, all along, I really believe this, guys. God was preparing my heart for advancement. Mm. Uh, after Bible college, I I went into the pastorate. I pastored uh, for 23 years, and I loved it. I thank God for that pastoral ministry and that opportunity. And uh, then in 2004 is when I started down the road in advancement. And I wondered how that was all going to work. Nobody goes to Bible college to prepare for advancement. How, no. Am I going to have the skills and all that to be able to do, do this? But uh, I'm here to tell you that, first of all, I watched my parents as missionaries raise support all their life. Hmm. I watched that. I was involved with it. I would go on the deputation trips. I would set up the the, uh, the table. Explain what I, deputation is. Some of our listeners might not know. Missionaries, they come home and they report to the churches and they also go to the churches and they ask for support. Mom and dad always needed support for their ministry through the years. And I watched that happen. I'm telling you that because that comes in handy now in advancement. Mm -hmm. um, I watched uh, all of that take place. Because my folks were missionaries, I traveled all my life. I've traveled. I've been in all sorts of countries. I've, I've been, been involved in ministry in 16 different countries, and uh, travel has always been a part of my life. Little did I know where that would come in. Yeah, uh, you, you travel quite was, a bit. Yeah, six months old, Minnesota to Africa. That's a big yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, in the pastoral ministry, I learned how to deal with people. Now, I'm still learning how to deal with people, but I learned to love people. Mm -hmm. uh, I just love people. I always have, and uh, I thank God for that. So all those things prepared me because now that I'm in advancement, and I'll tell you what, it is just amazing how much those experiences now have come in, and God has used those to prepare me for what I'm doing now. And it's just been a beautiful picture. I don't think about it all the time, but I've when I stop and I start to put all that together, it's it's just a, a thrill. Mm -hmm. And um, what I've learned, guys, and I've got a lot to learn in advancement. Uh, I'm, I've been in it 19 years, but man, oh man, it seems like I'm just starting in a lot of ways. But I believe there are two qualifications for advancement, to be successful in advancement. And they sound simple, but they're huge. One is you we gotta learn to listen. You gotta learn to listen. You gotta learn to listen. And and that one, I I've got a long way to go. It's just a hard thing to do, but you gotta learn to listen. And then secondly, 
to build relationships. Mm -hmm. And um, because of my love for people, because of watching my folks and all the preparation, now I look at this and when I sit down with folks that um, support friends of Israel and sit in their homes, much of my responsibility is to listen and listen carefully. Because as you listen, you hear, and you can see the heartbeat and the passion of a donor. Mm -hmm. You find out where they want to be involved. All, all donors have the need to give, and they want to be fulfilled and satisfied in, your, in their giving. The folks that just blessed you guys with $10,000. As thrilled as you are, I would dare say they're even more happy because they have fulfilled something and they have been, something has been fulfilled in their life and they're giving with eternity's values in mind and you can't get any better than that. Boy, that's just and, a beautiful um, way to describe it, Dan. Can you, can you tell us, um, in terms of donors, uh, Friends of Israel has been around since 1938, and it was established. You know the history. It was established before Israel became a country. Can you tell us about the donors and their love for the Jewish people mm. and Israel? I'll tell you, the donor, the love for Jewish people is amazingly deep. It is so devoted. Um, it's amazing how many people give because of the scriptural truth of God blesses those who bless Israel mm. and, and uh, curses those who don't. It's amazing to me how many people have given now because their great grandparents gave and their grandparents and their parents and all of them said along the way, whatever you do, support Israel, support Israel. And um, that's probably the number one reason why people give to our ministry is because they do have a love for the Jewish people. They want to support Israel. And uh, I've always said, we have a theological donor. And a lot of folks uh, support Friends of Israel because of what we believe, what we teach, and that by God's grace, we've been faithful now for over 84 years. So yeah. praise God. That's amazing. Hey, uh, Dan, I am so thankful that you're you're here. I love what you said about the fact that um, it, it's important uh, for you in, in, in your role to listen. But I just think that is a quality that every Christian should have is a quality to be able to listen to the needs and the, 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 the hurts, the pains, all of it. Cause I, honestly, I, I can remember doing some advancement work in your department in the past, and you really get a chance to minister to the people who minister to us by hearing what's going on in their life and to be able to pray with them. But it's just so important to be able to sit down and listen to them and to, and to really be a part of their life uh, in that moment. It is. And it's very rewarding. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I, I appreciate what you guys do. Uh, I think I've got the best ministry and friends of Israel of anybody <laughs> I uh, because I, I get to meet amazing people and you rejoice with those who rejoice. And, uh, you weep with those who weep. Mm -hmm. uh, just yesterday, I, I got a call from a, a um, sister of a dear, dear saint who's been a longtime donor, and she had just passed away and uh, had the opportunity to read scripture and pray and just be an encouragement. And what I call, I take off the advancement hat and I put on the pastor's hat. Mm -hmm. What an opportunity. Minister 
to people. And um, yeah, I could bore you to tears with story after story after story of those opportunities. You need to like, start a podcast. No, 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 no. <laughs> but, but, but listening is, is we've been boring our people for a long time. <laughs> I, I think, I think in advancement, the biggest challenge and people have a hard time. Well, how can you ask people for money? How, how in the world? I mean, I would never feel comfortable doing that, mm -hmm. but I say this, if you don't have a relationship, it's very, very hard and awkward to ask for money. Mm -hmm. But if you have the relationship, quite honestly, it's easy and natural. It just flows in the conversation. And uh, the way I've always viewed it, I'm not asking people to support damn dark. I'm not asking people to support me. I'm asking people to support God's work. That's right. And uh, it's a privilege. And um, uh, it's been very, very fulfilling. Um let me just share three ways that fulfill, because sometimes in advancement, it's like, are we being successful? What are we doing? How can we gauge success, satisfaction in what God has given to us uh, to do? And I can give it to you. One is what I just heard you guys celebrate this morning, to see a goal of $10,000 reached mm -hmm. and the excitement about that. That's fulfillment. Last spring, uh, I was there at, at the headquarters for a dedication of an ambulance, along with a donor who had given over $100,000 to make that a reality. And to see that ambulance and to, and to celebrate that, that's satisfaction. I look right now at the pictures, that maintenance shed that's going up. There's been donors who have given hundreds of thousands of dollars to see that maintenance shed going up mm -hmm. and to see that go up is a satisfaction of a donor who has put money in and seen the results. I look at the studio. I'm so excited about the studio. By God's grace, last year, our department started in September of last year to raise $1.1 million. And by December, the money was in. It was a reality. And now we're seeing the bricks go up. We're going to soon see that a reality. And I'll tell you what, it doesn't get any better than that as it relates for an advancement person to see what was a dream and a concept. And now to see the donors rise up sacrificially to give. And now it's a reality. And now it's going to be a tool that's going to, I believe, catapult Friends of Israel forward as never before. Well, you know, Dan, I think it's fair to say you are right where God wants you to be. Mm, that's exactly right. And we're right. pretty happy about and I, that. And I really think he should start a podcast. He's good. He's, <laughs> he's good. He's, he's very good. He talks as much as we do. I know. He'd be perfect. When you get him a, a, a chair. Oh, you got to come back to the office and sit in our yeah. guest seat. But we got a segue because, Chris, I have a question for you. Dan, I want you to hang on, if you will. But, uh, Chris... Last month was Hanukkah. Hanukkah. And we talked about Hanukkah baskets. Well, and yep. you, well, now we do boxes. I'm I'm dating myself back with the baskets. And you're holding it up. Uh, make sure people can see it. That's right. There are it's on here. That's why it's always good if you're listening on the audio version on our podcast, Apple, Spotify, whatever. It's always uh you, you can't see what we're doing. You can't see our 
our faces. Maybe they don't want to see what we're doing. <laughs> so, but we do. I am holding up a Hanukkah box that we delivered to several hundred Jewish friends all around North America. But and you went up to New York and Brooklyn with your family. Tell I, us a little bit about that. It was actually an amazing experience. I took my my four children, my wife. We went up to um, the house of uh, of a of an Orthodox Jewish family that we know because they're the ones who take us on the walking tour. Um, through Brooklyn for our encounter program. Um, uh, so uh, we went up there to say, you know, happy Hanukkah to them. And so I knocked on the door and the mother Bracha opens the door and I never met her before. And she opens the door and she's looking at us, you know, we're this strange family in Brooklyn. And, and uh, she goes, can I help you? And I said, you know, uh, I, your son mayor leads us through Brooklyn, through his, uh, through the, you know, the business he owns. And we just wanted and to say. And you're holding up the box. Oh, I'm holding that happy Hanukkah <laughs> box up. I said, we just wanted to say happy Hanukkah with a gift. And she goes, oh, 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 come in, come hey, in. That box means goodies for us. Come on in. Come on in. Well, it's funny because you want to give a gift, but all of a sudden, and I think this is pretty common in, in the Orthodox world, all of a sudden your gift, that like they start out gifting you. <laughs> With hospitality, and I'm going. I'm just thinking. We'll drop off the box. Let the kids play some, you know, soccer at the nearby field, and then we go home. Well, all we were in there for almost an hour and a half or two hours, and she makes you a little, uh, a little dinner, Steve. I didn't. I, I'm telling you, a we, little not. We weren't even in there for five minutes, and all of a sudden, my kids are playing dreidel. Okay, they're gambling. They're gambling. Bracha where's is, where's our coins? I, we, I put them over uh, there. But they she brought she got her money out. She brought out coins, and then she's teaching the kids how to play dreidel. And now all of a sudden, my kids are you know they're gambling. Oh, they're gambling. And, and then she once she gets that going, so Karen and I are like, oh, you don't have to do this. Before she could even finish teaching them, she's running in there and mixing up some hot chocolate and coffee and lattes for us to eat. Then Mayor comes back. We say Happy Hanukkah. He goes, Hey. You need to stick around and light the candles with us. So we stuck around. The kids lit the candles. They had a great time. We had a great time. Uh, but that's what we like to do with our Hanukkah boxes. You know, um, Dan was talking about the idea of being able to bless those who bless friends of Israel by helping us uh, through financial giving and praying. Well, one, one of the things we love to do in our ministry is the Hanukkah boxes to be able to reach out to our Jewish friends to say, Happy Hanukkah, there are Christians who love you, and a great way for us to show and share the love of Jesus the Messiah with them uh, just through acts of kindness. And so I know our Jewish friends love these boxes, and they're very well-packed. They're full of good Israeli goodies. Okay, see if, see what this one's saying. actually supposed to go to our good rabbi friend in Philadelphia. That's that right. I still we're a little to, late. Yeah, we're, we're a, little a little late. Sorry, Rabbi, goodbye. So... Uh, anyway, I'll, it's coming, but uh, it, I can't really. It's, it's oh, nicely wrapped. Yeah, oh, we yeah, can't. Yeah, we yeah. can't. So do anyway, that. I don't want to. But there's that some Israeli me. stuff. Well, I went in knowing that you were going to tell the story with your kids and going to Brooklyn. I went to Emily Stone again. Of course, <laughs> of course, we go to Emily Stone. Did you know? That's right. Did J E W know? Did you know? Under Hanukkah, she writes thanks to Adam Sandler, Macy's, <laughs> and the Lubavitchers. Everyone knows the eight crazy nights. Even those folks who year after year insist on wishing you a happy Yom Kippur. <laughs> Do they really? <laughs> People don't know the holidays. This is the reason why the Hanukkah boxes are so such a blessing, because I think it, it really stuns the mind of the Jewish people that a Christian is not saying Merry Christmas or Happy Yom Kippur, but they're saying That's Happy Hanukkah. That's what poor Emily remembers. All these people don't know what's going on. Maybe it's the giant menorahs that are displayed prominently in front of various municipal buildings, courtesy of Chabad, 
Or the blue and white decorations that festoon the local pharmacy. Festoon. That's a good word. But everyone knows this is the time to get presents from Hanukkah Harry and sing the dreidel song. <laughs> so thank you, Emily, for Did You Know? Did You Know? Hey, uh, really quick, too, the dreidel song. I don't want you to turn it. Steve, maybe you can reach back there and get our gift from our oh, intern. What an um don't turn that on, though, because it will not turn off, but I'll it hold it you. up here. Um, our our good friend uh, Shelby, who was an, in, an FOI Equip intern, sent Steve and I this beautiful um, uh, Hanukkah uh, dreidel uh, that uh, has, it looks like Jerusalem on top, and it, if I spin it, it'll start to do the dreidel song. The dreidel song. But it, I can't turn it off, so it will just be playing in the background the whole time until it winds down. So anyway, a big thank you to Shelby for giving us and what adding to our yep, adding to our more podcast. tchotchkes here. You know what a tchotchke is, Yeah, that's right? right. That's a good Yiddish word. Oh, tchotchke. And that's not our Yiddish word of the day, no. but tchotchkes are all over the place. And uh, But Chris, we've got to talk about something that... I'm excited about this January in just, I don't know, a couple of weeks. You don't know the date. I just agreed to attend. You have a book. What's it called? A book. Oh, a book primo, launch. A, a launch a party. You are a big mocker. I'm a, you are an author. You, you've you got a different publisher than Friends of Israel. Somebody came to you. You are the mocker of the month. I don't know about that. I don't know about mocker, but it's an honor. I'm going to read a little section later during our news segment. But uh, yeah, Israel Always, the book uh, that I wrote, is going to be uh, coming out this month. Uh, you can pre-order it on Amazon. You can actually go to foi.org forward slash Israel Always. It comes out this month, right? It comes out this month, but there have been people that have been pre-ordering it for a, a hot second. I was number one on the Israel-Palestinian history section of you Amazon. Were, I told you you're a mocker. It, it, it only, it, it's because of how big Amazon is, it's like for 30 seconds. It's boom, you made it, and then back down again. <laughs> But well, hey, you Chris, can say, uh, congratulations, man. I'm excited for you and excited about that book. And uh, it's just going to be neat to see what God does with that. I, and uh, so congratulations, guys. I'm going to probably slip away. And it's not because I don't want to listen to you. I've got some other things. Hey, you've lasted do. longer than a lot of people. Tell so me thank about you. No, no, <laughs> it's, it's been awesome to be with you. And uh, I just. I'm excited for this whole podcast, the Jew and the Gentile, and what you guys started and where it's going to go. And I'm excited for 2023. Maybe the Lord will come back in 2023. But if not, I'm excited about where Friends of Israel is going and as we march forward. And it's just a real joy to be on the same team with you guys and to serve the Lord together. Amen. So thank, thank you, thanks, brother. Dan. Great to see you. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, that's great to be uh, with with Dan, and he's just. A, I love Dan an, Dark. I, he's such a great guy. Every time we do chapel, Dan Dark. He's uh, where he's, in the world is Dan Dark? He's, he's always in a hotel room somewhere. Somewhere, it's fantastic. Well, Steve, why don't we go ahead and transition now? Because we've got some limited time here. Because uh, we've got a busy day ahead of us here at uh, Friends of Israel. But um, can we talk? Uh, we're, we're moving forward in Revelation. That's right. Now, see. I might think we're moving fast, but when we did Leviticus, you thought we moved slow. So I don't know where you think we are. I'm not quite sure, but I, I, I you know, the this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Mm. This this book is the book that promises a blessing. We've already covered that, but I think it's a great reminder. And we went through chapter one, uh, where he's on the John's on the Isle of Patmos, and he gets this vision, and he's beginning to uh, to see all kinds of things. But before that happens, God is going to talk to him about 
church, churches. Mm-hmm. And we're not talking about buildings here. Uh, we're talking about a people in, in communities. And he picks out, God does, seven specific churches. That means congregations of people who meet in specific areas. And each of these areas had business, and they had culture, and they had all different kinds of things. And the church, that is the people, had to respond to the circumstances that they're in. We just heard Dan Dark. He's got, he was part of a church in Africa. Mm-hmm. The kinds of issues that they had to deal with, in some ways, are exactly the kinds of things that all churches deal with. But then I'm sure there were unique things that they had to deal with because of the location where they are. Right. And uh, uh, we've joked a little bit, but these seven churches, how do you remember where they are? I know. It's it's like Everybody sing, please. That sounds pretty lovely. Yeah. You know, it's funny because this is, uh, my kids are in math right now and they're in elementary school and uh, they come home and they go, everybody, is it everybody loves Dear Aunt Sally or something like that? The the like algorithm little oh, okay. saying to help you out. And I'm probably saying it wrong right now, but this is like that. So can you say it again? That Will Varner taught you this, yeah, right? Will Varner. Everybody sing, please. That sounds pretty lovely. Okay. Everybody sing, please. So we have Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, uh, that's sing, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Correct. Okay. And so, and we're in Thyatira today. That's correct. And so, each of these uh, places, these cities, have believers in them who make up what we call the church. I, I want to make sure people understand because when I was growing up, church, you go to church, you go to church. Mm-hmm. I never had the concept that that the people who go are the church. You go to church. And I think sometimes even now we say, oh, we're going, it's Sunday morning, we're going to church. No, you're going to a building and the church is meeting at that location. And so each of these cities, they had unique things. And I'm I'm glad that you brought that up because, you know, you can almost, again, a lot of times our church mentality becomes uh, about the, not just the building, but the programs in the building and the things that we're running and the, you know, the count, the, the committees that meet to keep this going and that going. And, um, and you know, here, when, when Jesus is speaking to these churches, he's not commenting on, on, the, uh, on the committees that help choose a pastor or whatever. It's actually deep down the spiritual issues that they're dealing with and how they relate with one another, how they relate with the Lord. And that's what, it has nothing to do with committees or buildings or programs or nothing. It actually has everything to do with how the individual believer in the corporate body of Christ, uh, especially in that church, is relating to God. A hundred percent. And so we're in the church, at the church of Thyatira. There is a location. It actually was founded by Alexander the Great in 300 BC. That's, that's amazing. Part of his his conquering the then known world. And it was a military city. It was a city where ultimately Lydia, she was part of that church. Lydia in the book of Acts, she came from, she got saved and she was living in Thyatira. It's the longest letter of all the seven letters and it was the smallest city. And that's that, so interesting funny. the way God does things. Yes. Um, and when you look at it, there's some issues that go on. Why don't you read for us, Chris, what's happening in Thyatira? Yep, here we go. It says, to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, these are the words of the Son of God, whose eyes are like blazing fire and whose feet are like the burnished bronze. 
I know your deeds, your love and faith, your service and perseverance, and that you are now doing more than you did at first. That's a good, that's a good word. Uh, verse 20, nevertheless, I have this against you. you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophet. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. I have given her time to repent of her immorality, but she is unwilling. So I cast her on a bed of suffering, and I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely unless they repent of her ways. I will strike her children dead. Then all the churches will know that I am he who searches hearts and minds, and I will repay each of you according to your deeds. Steve, can I say something? I heard um, this uh, woman once speaking, um, and uh, she is a, a believer, but she came out of the um, the sex industry. She came out of, um, I think, you know, being a, a involved in pornography and things of that nature. Uh, that was her life. That was her money. That was her income. And then she got saved. And she started reading the Bible, but she never changed her life. And she um, is talking about her past. And and she said, one day I was on an airplane going to do, uh, you know, whatever. And um, she was reading the Bible. So she said, she's reading the Bible. She considered herself a believer, but she was still doing these things. And she didn't think to stop. Uh, And then she started, she was reading Revelation and she commented on how she got to this passage because she didn't think she was doing anything wrong. And here she said, as she's reading, the Holy Spirit struck her so deep. She said, I'm Jezebel. I'm Jezebel. I'm leading people astray. And, you know, I don't know how long it was from when she turned to Christ that she left that industry and, and, um, you know, abandoned it and became an advocate against it. But it was this passage, she said, that actually changed her mind because she said, I am Jezebel. I'm leading people into sexual immorality. I'm leading people into death when I should be leading them to Christ. And so anyway, I thought that was fascinating. That should be brought out. No, it is. And this church had issues. And the the Spirit of God using John goes back to Jezebel, as you just said, from 1 Kings, uh, who married King Ahab. Mm -hmm. You know, we did do the book of Leviticus. What's the book of Leviticus about? Holiness, separation, it's, it's counterintuitive to the culture in which we live. Uh, growing up, and, and you just went to an Orthodox home to deliver a basket or, or a box, and what do you find? They are going to live separate lives. They take it literally, and I understand that. And what's the danger of that? Well, you could become a Pharisee. You, mm-hmm. can, you could say, well, I'm doing this, and I'm holier than you. But that doesn't make the idea of being separate a bad thing. That's right. It's how, it's, it's how we deal with all this. Uh, and as Christians, we, she is reading the text and be getting what is hard for other people, conviction. Oh, yeah. She was convicted. Yeah. And that's in the context here in Thyatira, the, the, God is saying, I'm giving you time to repent. But they didn't repent. Mm -hmm. She had time to repent, didn't realize. She reads the scripture, and she repents. She repents, that's right. Uh, It says in verse 24, Now I say to the rest of you in Thyatira, to you who do not hold on to her teaching and have not learned Satan's so-called deep secrets, I will not impose any other burden on you except to hold on to what you have until I come. 
To the one who is victorious and does my will to the end, I give authority over the nations, the one that will rule them with an iron scepter and will dash them to pieces like pottery. Just as I have received authority from my father, I will also give that one the uh, morning star. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. You know, interesting that Dan Dark said before he left, he said, maybe this year will be the year that Jesus raptures the church. Mm -hmm. That would be amazing. Well, what do you do in the meantime? We're living in a time when all kinds of stuff is going on. What's the encourage? Hold on. Mm -hmm. Hold fast. Be what you're supposed to be. And that's what he was telling the believers there in Thyatira, to reject what is all around them and to hold fast to the truth of the Word. You know what strikes me, too, because we've talked about this before, is that, again, Jesus is speaking into—Jesus is confirming what the apostles had already preached to the Gentiles. You—back in Acts chapter 15, the Jerusalem Council, Gentiles do not have to become— um, uh, uh, Jewish. They don't have to be circumcised. No, no Brit Milah. No Brit, Brit Milahs, no kosher keeping. They don't have to do those things. They don't have to identify as as Jewish in order to become a follower of Jesus. Um, it's by faith alone. And so, uh, but, but there were two standards. One, no sexual immorality. What separates you from the world? That's the way that the apostles were looking at it. Uh, what separates a Gentile from the world who's a follower of Jesus? One, uh, you you have to abstain from sexual immorality, and two, you can't eat food sacrificed to idols. And I think that was a, a double-edged thing. It was, number one, how do we separate ourselves from the world? But number two, how do we keep fellowship between Jews and Gentiles? Well, Jews can fellowship with Gentiles because they're abstaining from sexual immorality and they're not eating. Okay, so my point, though, is this, is that here again, the, there is, it, the church is breaking the two rules, the, the two rules. And it's always funny to me because I, I've never thought about this, but oftentimes, and maybe you've heard this in your travels and speaking, I've heard it before, oh, we could never keep the law. Oh, that law, it's impossible to keep. It's impossible to keep. Okay, great. We have two as Gentiles, two things. And look, I mean, we're not even... We're not even uh, uh, 60 years removed from Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection and ascension, and here they are breaking the two rules. And that's amazing to me, too. Not 613, two. 100% reminds me of a Bible study I did with Jewish and Christian people in uh, Wisconsin at the time, and uh, I told the, the folks we we're going to do the Ten Commandments. Oh, they were, you know, oh, yeah, the Ten Commandments, the Jewish people, synagogue, all that. So by the third week— we're just about to begin the third week, and the per- person comes up to me and says, this isn't looking good for me at all. I'm 0 for 2. I've read, I've read already, oh, I'm going to be 0 for 3. And I said, it, it, just, it, it doesn't look good. And I said, that's exactly the point. We can't, none of us can follow. Yeah. None of us. Uh, there's a ministry out there. In fact, one of our guys uses this system uh, where you're out on the street, and we have people who do street evangelism. We also have folks with Friends of Israel who go on a college campus, and they talk to students, and they begin to say, hey, have you ever lied? Have you ever stolen? Have you ever thought immoral thoughts in your mind? Oh, then you're a liar, a cheat, and... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then they say, are you a sinner? No, I'm not a sinner. Yeah, that's right. No, no, I'm fine. I'm well, good. <laughs> you've already told me you're a liar, a cheater. <laughs> yeah, that, that's what the law does. And now the question is, wait a minute, here, here, here in the, this church... 
The Spirit of God is directing John. He's communicating to us there was a problem in the church because they weren't relying on the Holy Spirit. That's mm-hmm. the that's the root issue. You rely on the you're saved. You rely on the Spirit of God, and you follow after Him. The the gal that you gave an example of reads the text, and her life changes. Yeah. I always there's a saying that I've uh, that I like to tell people, and it's this: is that when the Holy Spirit is dwelling in you, um, and and it interacts with the words of Scripture, that's where real change takes place. I I really think it's an amazing combination. God gives us his word, which is, you know, when people go, I I don't know if God's speaking to me. No, he's spoken to you. It's in his word. And when that word interacts with the spirit of God that's dwelling within you, if you're a Christian, then you know what? Change happens. And that woman, to just think about the fact that she goes, oh, I can keep doing what I want to do. And it's, you know, in our minds, I mean, I, I just think we couldn't even fathom that. But here she is, she's a follower of Jesus, it seems as though the Spirit of God was dwelling in her, and it just took that one moment where she says, I'm Jezebel, and I can't be like this anymore. And she just abandoned it and became an advocate for speaking against it, actually. So that is the power of how the Holy Spirit, tied with God's Word, can change you. The key word, power. Yes. There's power in the Word of God. That's right. And so um, the Church of Thyatira um, is a reminder, again, that, uh, number one, there's God's grace. The, the fact that Jesus would say, I'm giving you an opportunity to repent, we've talked about this before, second, third, fourth chances, that's the God that we serve, and, Thi- and Thyatira is an image of that uh, as well, that Jesus would—I love this, Steve, uh, and we can end with this—then all the churches will know that I am he who searches hearts and minds, and I will repay each of you according to your deeds. Amen and amen. All right, well, uh, Thyra Tyra, what was it again? Everybody? Everybody everybody sing, please. That sounds pretty lovely. All right, well, that's we've got that down. We uh, are going to be moving into chapter three. Steve, uh, why don't we move into the news? Well, you and I were going over these before we started. Um, let's start with the archaeology, because the next one, I'm going to laugh too hard. So we'll, <laughs> we'll start there. You, you, Chris, you and I have been to um, Siloam, the Pool of Siloam. It's by the south of the city of David. It's actually the southern part. This is in uh, Jerusalem. In Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And we take people there, and it's it doesn't look very big. But every time we go there, we're told by the guide that actually this pool is quite large, but there's a squatter. We own the property. The property's but the squatter has rights, according to the government, for until they die. Oh, I and thought it was uh, an Orthodox it uh, or a Christian or, or somebody, I don't whoever know. Whoever it church. was had the right to be there until they died. And so they had to wait. Uh, well, according to this, it's going to be real big. The Saloma was real big. There's a tunnel that goes right from the Pool of Siloam all the way up through the city of David, up to the temple. Mm-hmm. In fact, I've had the opportunity to walk it. I think you have, too. I just did it the other, yeah, a couple weeks ago. So here's uh, from Fox News. This is from Fox News. Biblical site where Jesus healed the blind man excavated for public view. So they've expanded it. This is huge, actually. It's huge. And this whole article is built around how big this is. The Israel Antiquities Authority, the Israel National Parks Authority, and the City of David Foundation, all three of them, announced days before the new year that the Pool Siloam, a biblical site cherished by Christians and Jews, will be open to the public for the first time in two 
thousand years. <laughs> That's so funny. This is amazing. <laughs> That's a reopening. <laughs> and if you go, if you you'll send the link for the for the news. Yep, they're all in our uh, show notes. But there's a picture of of uh, rendering of the Pool of Siloam and what it looked like during the Second Temple period. You know, this is such. This is the place where I believe in John chapter nine, Jesus heals the blind man. Remember, he puts mud on his eye. He spits. He puts mud on his eyes, and he goes, "You have to go wash in the pool." That's where this took place. But uh, you know, it always it, the archaeologists have uncovered the what you were talking about the walkway that connects amazing the, walkway because this is actually where people the Jewish people when they would uh, they would cleanse themselves before they go into the temple and ascend up to the temple and the steps are still there and um, you know what blew me away was uh, uh, um, the tour that we went on uh, one of the guides was showing us where there were these broken rock broken uh, stones. Uh, that were part of the pathway, um, and he, he said archaeologists were just so baffled. Like, why these stones look like they were broken on, you know, road stones look like they were broken on purpose. And so what they found out was Jewish people during the first Jewish revolt in 70 AD would actually break the stones and go into the sewer system of the walkway to hide from the Romans, and that's why they were broken. They're almost um, it was it was too orderly for the archaeologists. They're going, why is it broken every other? Well, I guess they were smaller stones, and they break them, and then they get into the into the um, underground tunnel and and the sewage system or whatever, and get out of there. So it was very interesting. Very interesting. So that's big news, and, and people could see that. And the next one, Chris, we know we've talked about the government of Israel, and your book is going to cover a little bit about that. I think you want to read something. Mm-hmm. But the law, this one came from the Jerusalem Post. Well, dairy law, and I'm not talking about D-A-R-Y, not, not <laughs> Even though no, there could be a dairy law in this Israel, is dairy too. dairy law, D-E-R-I law, be struck down. High court hears arguments today. This uh, was dated January 5th, 2023. Uh, this is a whole rigmarole about uh, a man who, um, Aryeh Dairy is his name. He's from Shas, the party. And he had tax issues. So he's an Israeli politician. He's an Israeli politician. He had tax issues. He's, he's ultra or, or he's orthodox. Very orth- Shas party is very orthodox, mm-hmm. but he, he had tax issues. Uh, that happens to people. Uh, and he had a plea deal. And part of his plea deal was that he would stay out of politics. <laughs> stay out of public stay, life. <laughs> stay out of public life. Um, and, well, his party did pretty well and they are nego- people voted people voted for Likud we went through all that uh, and they put a coalition together and Benjamin Netanyahu is the prime minister and he appoints people who will have different ministerials mm-hmm. and he wanted to have a, a ministerial be in charge but he signed a document uh, so there was a meeting. Chris, why don't you tell? Why don't you explain this meeting? The Knesset met yep. because they knew about this law and they knew about the deal, and so they decided to do what? Well, they decided to undo the law. They decided to <laughs> amend the law to make a room for Arya Derry. You here. can't make this law. No. So Arya Derry goes, "All right, fine, I'll I'll stay out of politics." Then all of a sudden, his party does good. He goes, "All right, I'll come back." Okay, <laughs> the people are calling. Me. That's right, and so he comes back and they upend the law. And they make it so that he's able to come in. Uh, he's, he's as, as Steve said, he was charged with tax offenses. 
And Daria signed a plea bargain that uh, that have him uh, suspended uh, suspended a prison sentence and, and a, with a fine. According to basic law, Steve, this is what it says. The government, an Israeli citizen who has been given a prison sentence, cannot serve as a minister of Knesset or a politician um, or as a cabinet minister for seven years if their actions included moral turpitude. Uh, the, that, that's the, the law. And they undid that. Yep. And they changed it. For him, and they're taking it to the high court. That just so we know, this is now the Israelis are discussing amongst themselves and actually bringing it to the Supreme Court in Israel. That's right. So the big debate, though, is this: is because it just kind of sounds like he changed law. He didn't just change law. There was there had to be a vote, um, and or, or the, essentially they don't, people don't like it because it seems like, of course, he changed the law. It's called the Dari Law. You know, it's Dairy Law. It's his law. That changed it. So, number one, the question is whether or not it democ- it's democracy. He changed something to benefit him. And that's the argument they're going to— In fact, the pe- it's fair enough to say the constituents, the, the Israelis, knew about this should they win. They were fully appraised that should they put—should they vote? They voted for him. And then should he win, he was going—his party win, they were going to put him in a, in a place, in mm-hmm. a— ministerial. And so his argument to the court is that this is a demo- the the people have spoken. It's not me that's changing it. The Knesset is doing the will of the, the people. people. That's right. And so that's going to be the fundamental argument. Now we could sit here and say wait wait a minute the guy he was he signed the thing saying okay, no jail, I'll sign. Where do I sign? And now he's saying, well, the people have spoken. The people have spoken. That's right. And it's a real debate in the high court. Debate. It's, it's a real debate. It's a Supreme it's Court. The, 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 they know their thing. They they have a court. It's handled by lawyers and judges. And But I just I just it sounds and looks funny. It's hilarious. Uh, I, Can I, I, the reason I want, because I want to talk to our audience about basic law in Israel and where it. Do that. It, you, it, you wrote about it. I did write it. And I want to read a section here because it, I find this so fascinating in my American way of doing law and. Just and, do it, Chris. Fast. In, in about five minutes. All right. No, we got less than that. But it, I, I wrote this about basic law. Israel's declaration of independence vowed that a constitution would be adopted by an elected con- uh, uh, constituent assembly no later than October 1st, 1948. So Israel declared independence May 14th, 1948, and in their declaration of independence, they said, we will have a constitution for our country by October 1st. Well, on December 10th, 1948, so two months later, Uh, After the deadline, a proposed constitution was prepared for ratification by a newly elected government that would become seated after the upcoming January elections uh, uh, occurring a month later. Well, two years lapsed and still no constitution was agreed upon. Israel's elected officials couldn't compromise on an official text that would embody the rules of their state. The religious parties didn't help. They refused to adopt any constitution other than the Torah. (laughs) Even Prime Minister David Ben-Gurion shelved the topic of a constitution because he argued the time wasn't on their side. Other issues like security and immigration were more pressing than the constitution. The debate was vigorous. Ben-Gurion had a strong argument. His newly formed state was under a lot of pressure. However... The people required a system of laws that would enshrine their values. The Harari resolution was put forth by the Knesset by member Yizar Harari. He proposed a constitution that would be developed over time. 
It would comprise of a series of basic laws established by a committee and then approved by the Knesset instead of a document written all at once. The Harari Resolution was adopted on June 13th, 1950. So Israel— it took them a couple years to at least— Put a plan for it. it. Even just a plan. But the plan was this, and it, they're still developing it. If you, yep. it, Basic law is the equivalent of a, the American Constitution. Uh, but we wrote all of our stuff at one time. <laughs> and now we're going back and saying, well, should we upend this? Should we amend that? You know, times have they're changed. They're doing a little as you go. That's their theory is, hey, you know what? Let's add a basic law here. In fact, the last basic law, Steve, got a lot of attention, and that's when the, the, the basic law was passed that, that Israel— is a national Jewish state. That is basic law. It wasn't there. It was just added a few years ago, but it created a lot of tension in Israel because they called themselves essentially this is a Jewish state. No, you know, we can't it won't be anything else but a Jewish state. Mazel tov. That's right. I'm it's, glad. En- it's enshrined in Israel's basic laws or constitution. So anyway, I thought that was interesting. Here we go everybody. Oh. <laughs> wrong <car>. wrong button. <laughs> Yiddish word of the day, Yiddish word of the day, Steve. Well, I just have to tell you, Chris, my wife uh, gave us another tchotchke. That's not the Yiddish word, but tchotchke is a dust collector. Uh, I don't know if people could see it. This is the Jewish old maid. That's Jewish old maid. So if you're familiar with old maid, there's two pairs that you got to get all matched up. But whoever stuck with the old maid loses. That's right. Well, Jewish old maid... It's Yetzer Hara. <laughs> it's not even an old maid. No, it's not an old maid. <laughs> it's a conniving gentleman there, it the Yetzer Hara. Yetzer Hara he's means He's smoking the... a cigar. He's got his hat on. That... He, he looks like he's ready to rip yeah, you off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> this is the evil inclination. That's that... what Yetzer Hara means, the evil inclination. We were talking about uh, the church in Thyatira and the Je- and Jezebel. Uh, evil. The evil inclination. Mm-hmm. Uh, the opposite of Yetzer Hara is Yetzer Tov. Well, Chris, for you and I, we we don't think in terms of uh, inclination and and uh, good works, bad works. We know that we're all bad. Yes, we're all inclined for evil because all of us are evil. The, there's not no one righteous, no not one. But thanks be to God through the Lord Jesus Christ that through Him. We become Yetzer Tov. Good. Yes. Acceptable, righteous in God's eyes. Preach it, Steve. That's great. That's our word of the, the Yiddish word of the day, Yetzer Hara. Everybody, thank you so much for being with us on the Jew and Gentile podcast. Hey, listen, to all those who donated and to all thank those you. who pray thank for you. this ministry, thank you so much. I know Steve and I have a great time doing this, but we really believe that the FOI Equip ministry is changing people's lives, investing, uh, 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 dedicating them to the uh, are showing them the Jewishness of the scriptures and and really uh, guiding them to the Jewishness of who Jesus is, deepening those relationships. All of it. I'm so thankful for all of our uh, 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 listeners. Thanks to Dan Dark. Uh, Thanks to Dan Dark. Hey, everybody. We'll see you next week.